Welcome to Your Career Podcast, the podcast that helps to ensure your career success. To start getting on track with your career, download my free career goals calendar from thecareersacademy.online. My goals calendar includes a smart goals template and a weekly tasks sheet that will ensure step-by-step you get closer to reaching your career goals. So download my goals calendar today at thecareersacademy.online. Now on with the show blown away by the fact that we still had probably at least 98 percent of the workforce were there and waiting i'm just waiting for us to reopen and to get underway again so that was a very humbling moment for us and i i do think that we've done well through that by um communicating with them clearly from the start and then offering the support that we could through JobKeeper and um telling them how to access job seeker and superannuation and, and and deal with the situation so they're there for us on the other side Hospitality industry has gone through the most challenging times globally during the coronavirus pandemic. Hundreds of thousands of people have lost their jobs in Australia, and through it all, the founders of Sydney-based Applejack Hospitality have stuck to their values and looked after their staff, whom they consider family, and maintained motivation and provided inspiration and support with huge hearts. And let's welcome them to Your Career Podcast. Ben Carroll and Hamish Watts, the founders of Applejack Hospitality. These two talented and very good-looking gentlemen founded Applejack, a boutique Sydney-based hospitality group in 2011. And in 2019, they were the winners of the Alia Group Bar Operator of the Year Award. And between them, this passionate duo are determined to challenge the status quo and lead the industry by delivering unique venues to bring people together, creating epic concepts and magical experiences. I've experienced some of them and they are really magical. They employ 200 talented professionals across their eight brands, which include the butler at Potts Point. And I'm going to be changing my backgrounds every once in a while. Can you see just behind me? That's the view on the butler. Amazing. Uh, Bop and Tone at Wynyard, the botanist at Kirribilli, SoCal Sydney in Neutral Bay, the Endeavour Tap Rooms, which is fantastic. I've hosted some LinkedIn local Sydney networking events there lots of fun june's shop and table 60 so as the hospitality industry has faced huge upheaval due to covid19 we all know the past few months has been a challenge yes however with phase one of restrictions being lifted today and it was at midnight at midnight okay last night let's find out what's in store for the hospitality industry and in particular applejack and how Ben and Hamish are providing inspirational leadership during tough times. So welcome, Ben and Hamish. Hi. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> Great intro. <laughs> well, thank you. That was a mouthful, wasn't it? <laughs> you, you Couldn't remember myself. 
<laughs> well, I've been to all of your venues, and I really, it, it's amazing. Each one has a different theme, a different concept, a different feel together. And um, right now, with everything in hibernation, let's find out how you are leading through challenge and crisis, because I know that you've created an incredible culture at Applejack Hospitality, and it's a great place to work. So shall I start with a few questions for you, gentlemen? Okay. Go. First of all, okay, you started Applejack in 2011 with one venue and the vision of opening five venues in five years. Now you've successfully reached that goal and nine years later, you currently own and operate five popular restaurants, two cafes. Now tell me just a little bit about the Applejack culture and what it is that drives you both. Should we start with Ben? Sure. So, um, as you said, we've been going now for, I think, our 10 years is next year, which is exciting. And we've got a lot of the staff from early on. There's a lot of the legends that were there to help create uh, our first venue have stayed with us this whole time. And, you know, we're in the position we are today and created the culture we have today, thanks to the, the that core team that stayed with us and people have come along over that time. Um for us, though, the, the culture really does come down to people and we've treated it always like a family and we, whenever a new person starts, we do say welcome to the family and, you know, we, we have our values and beliefs, but, you know, they're just written down there on a board and it's actually putting those into place where it really, you know, in a crisis situation is when you can really understand what your true culture is. Um but, yeah, look, a lot of it comes down to the leadership style that we had. Hamish and I have been involved in the venues from, you know, when we first opened our first restaurant, we were working behind the bar or if a uh, kitchen hand would call in sick, we were, you know, helping out in the kitchen. We're doing absolutely everything. So I know the business is inside out. Uh, and along the way, we've managed and evolved our leadership that we, we might have had old leadership styles in the past and we've created and moulded our new leadership styles to create a company that we want to that we would want to work in and we'd want to be a part of uh, and we're very fortunate that we've got an incredible team around us because as we know you you're you're only as strong as that team around you and they all believe in the same values that we have and with that, we've built up a, an incredible community of uh, customers and, and of our staff. And it's quite a proud moment to see us in this crisis that we're in today. And those values that we used to have written on a board around the office or in an induction manual, we're actually putting that to the test. And we can really see everyone banding together and treating it like a family. And, you know, one team, one dream is something we've always sort of we were always sort of mucked around uh, in saying, and it's very true at a time like this. Mm, I like that. One team, one dream. I'm going to create a banner for that. <laughs> Hang on. One, one, I'm typing this as we go. Oh, yeah. One team, one dream. I, I think we're the first people to say that, in fact. Um, there we go. How does that look? One team, oh, one dream, gentlemen. You're very <laughs> you're savvy. Right? You're very savvy on that system. <laughs> But, but you know, it's so important to really live and breathe the values because so often um, organizations have their values on the board somewhere, maybe in reception. And then when you're actually in that environment, you don't actually see it displayed. And it needs to come from top down. And I, I, I know from 
just your reputation and, and what people say about you, that you really live and breathe your values. Now, can I ask something to, to Hamish? Um, what have you experienced within your business as a result of this coronavirus pandemic, and, and how has it made you feel? Um, on a personal level, it was obviously a very challenging time for me. Um, it was challenging for everybody, the entire team, and I'm sure their their families and their whole country, no doubt. But um, look, I, I think the, the, the initial sort of process was one of, of shock and disbelief. You know, um, there was also an element of relief once the closure was announced, and that sounds like a strange thing to say, but you know, we could see it coming for a matter of, for a number of weeks, and there was things happening in other parts of the world that were. You know, it's just the unknown. Um, it was just so hard to know which way it was going to go and exactly how it was going to affect us directly. And there's a lot of rumours flying around about how bad it was going to get and what it was going to do to the economy. And um, we could see trade starting to, to fall away towards the final weeks before the closure. So there was this real element of anxiety and unknowing. And, and you know, the news was on 24-7 uh, preaching doom and gloom. Um, so that, that, that part of it was really, really challenging. Those few weeks leading up to the closure were, um, I would say, over the hardest two weeks of my life to date. Um, and then when the closure came, look, it was, uh, I guess that's where adrenaline really started to kick in for the entire team. We all went into fight mode like, like most people would. And um, we quickly went about sort of working out the best strategies in which we could to, um, you know, close the businesses down effectively and reduce as much fallout as possible. Um, and so uh, through doing that, um, we, um, we really banded together, and I think that period of time was seen as a real success for us. Um, the team really rose to the challenge. Um, all of our chefs were in the kitchens, like, doing an amazing job to, like, properly close things down. They were juggling stock to try to minimise any wastage. Um, my bar guys were, were thoroughly shutting everything down. Um, all the operational guys quickly went about um, suspending or holding as many accounts as we could possibly could. And then from a head office perspective, we went about um, communicating uh, with our customer base, you know, um, managing all of our reservations, which were already locked in, how we were going to go about, you know, informing them. And then from more of a macro perspective, you know, planning for, um, you know, rental relief and things like that. So that was a really successful phase for us. And I think we really did a good job throughout that. And for me, what we really learned across that time was that, um, we've got a really, uh, a little bit like what Ben was saying earlier, and I don't want to double up on it, but we've got a really supportive and um, appreciative team. And we um, communicated them with, with them very clearly what the strategy was. And, look, the reaction of the staff was mostly supportive. You know, there's a few people that always have apprehension about your plans and, and the future. But um, they were really, really on board with everything they everything that we said and, and we're very clear with um, what our expectation was and not just the not, that's not just the staff the customers were hugely supportive we got floods of emails of support and, and messages asking when we we're going to be reopening and hopefully see you on the other side and all that wonderful support which was really important to us at the time um, but finally we also got a lot of great support from our relationships with our suppliers and our networks out there within the liquor industry and also our landlords and um to us, I think that highlighted, you know, there's there's two ways you can go about treating suppliers and, and your support. You can either um, bully them for your best price the whole time and always try to um, dominate them in that area, or you can work with them for a relationship that works for both parties. And we chose the latter, and it, um, it really seemed to work for us, and it really came into its own at a period like this where they wanted to support us, they wanted to work with us through it, um, they understood that. There was absolutely no benefit to them to try to, you know, push us off the edge of a cliff. Um, you know, the whole we're all in it together 
really came to light and um yeah it was a great moment for us i think to sort of have those relationships and you know there was plenty of times we were brought to you know to, to like literally to tears by the emotional support that we got from our team that was probably the the number one um but then you know also from our suppliers some of the things they did i was i'll send cases of beer by some of our suppliers just to help me to drown my sorrows in isolation and things like that <laughs> that was that was truly touching will thanks mate i appreciate that <laughs> um, but yeah but um any other suppliers wanted to send me alcohol that's also you know it's still plenty of time so um <laughs> yeah <laughs> you see, there, there are the benefits. There are the benefits. Well, but I think I, it's, it's so true because everyone needs to pull together. And, yes, Ben, you want to I you was want just going to say, Hamish has been homeschooling, so he needs all the alcohol he can get. Yeah, I start, <laughs> start at 10 o'clock and the first lesson starts at 10.05 and then the day's underway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so true. The whole thing with juggling, I mean, it's not just the business. You know, you don't just close a business and that's it. There are so many moving parts. And then, of course, on the personal side, with homeschooling, so many of my, my friends who've got young children at home have been tearing their hair out because it's it's been such a juggle to keep everything the juggle, going. The juggle is real, yeah. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, so, so, so good for you to keep this open communication with everybody all the stakeholders you've you've kept this constant communication with them so they know exactly what's going on your employees have been kept in 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 the loop with regard to what's going on with JobKeeper and you're supporting them that way too because not all businesses have offered that to all of their employees. Right. So so that really shows the the heart that you both both have in, in leading this team. Can I ask something now of Ben? Um, because a number of businesses, you know, they, in, in hospitality, they've turned to takeaway and delivery to generate revenue during self-isolation, but it, it wouldn't work for every single business. What's your take on this? And would that have been... A a viable option for Applejack? And if not, why not? Um, for us to begin with, we just had to follow advice from the government and the government at the beginning of all of this definitely knew a lot more about what was happening than the rest of us. So, and we had to look around the world and the, the best thing we could do is to cut every cost out of the business we could and go into hibernation, uh, take a breath and then decide what we wanted to do. After realizing the path out of this was going to be so difficult a lot more difficult than just closing down venues we decided to to focus and put all our energy into trying to trade out of this on the other side so what happens when JobKeeper finishes after september what does the new platform of hospitality look like and for us we're, that's where all of our time and effort is going at the moment so to be distracted by doing takeaway not only was it not viable for us because our overheads are too large to be opening up a restaurant to, to do some takeaway, um, but more so it was about structuring the company right. We've only got one chance to, to relaunch this company and we've got to make sure that we do it as successfully as possible. And, and that is by, by focusing on getting this company as healthy as possible right now. And in the off season, we need to be trimming down fat. We need to be building our muscle and, uh, that's what we're going to be doing for the rest of this time. And I think it's probably till July until stage three when there's a, a little bit more flexibility in around trading conditions. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's a really sensible approach because otherwise, if, if if you're not set up for takeaway, there are lots of risks as well because it's, it's a different type of business. And I guess it would dilute what you really focus on and, and do well, really well. I guess the, the other thing is... Uh, 
we easily could say to our landlords, say, look, we closed down due to COVID-19 and we're forced to close because of the government. When you start trading again, whether it's at a small capacity or not, that's when they're going to be knocking at your door and asking for money. So the, the discussion you're having with landlord changes a lot more once you start to open again. So for those companies that potentially own their own businesses, uh, own their own bricks and mortars and their own landlords, that, that would look very different to them. Yeah. You know, at midnight last night, the phase one restrictions uh, came were, were lifted. And so now you can have 10 people in New South Wales, 10 people at a venue. In Western Australia, I believe it's 20 people at a venue. But in Victoria, they haven't lifted restrictions yet. So so for you, um, what are your thoughts on stage one restriction? And is, is it actually financially viable for many businesses to serve only think- 10 people? Definitely for some. Some can take advantage of it and um, if they already had their businesses open and doing takeaway or um, they're a smaller business that, you know, can cater for more a cafe style, then it definitely works for them and, and that's fantastic that they that gets to they get to open and they get to potentially make a little bit more revenue throughout this. Um, for us, we're continuing to stay closed. It doesn't stack up. Mm. Um, but, you know, I think... When we get into, it's not till we we need sort of a hundred people. We we need to be having our venues at almost full capacity to be able to make money. Margins in any business are slim, and we're already you know trying to suck every penny we can out of to make a profit. So to be opening it, you know, it's not even ten percent of trade. Uh, it's just something that's not viable for us in in any means. And I think it's a bit of a novelty. And I think it's a little bit short-sighted sometimes to, to come out of hibernation just to try to pinch a couple of pennies now when it's a drop in the ocean when focuses could be for us at least put on the other side. You know, for those for those who can actually see this, I'm going to just show here behind me, here's Bop and Tone. Now, can you imagine this, this venue? You, I mean, at capacity, how many people? It's about 250 people, including it's got a big outside area too. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine opening this beautiful venue um, at Wynyard, Bop and Tone, with only 10 people? It just, it it doesn't make sense at all, does it? No. No, no. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so next question, and either Ben or Hamish, you, you can decide who wants to answer this one. What have you been doing to keep your existing customers engaged with your brands during the self-isolation and what's the feedback been because I, I know some of the initiatives you've put in and they've been really fun so can you tell us about them <laughs> who wants to take this oh that's a marketing question that's for ben oh <laughs> uh, i guess we, we were in a we were in a couple of minds when this first started it's like well what we do now are we wasting time and effort right now trying to stay relevant and stay in people's faces um we so that went into marketing went into hibernation for a period of time. We're just starting to, as we're starting to, I guess, get the company into a bit more of an idle at the moment. We are starting to bring back some more activity, and we have been doing for the last few weeks. And you know, there's general marketing activities going on there from you know EDMs to we did a, a fantastic Mother's Day. Uh, campaign and that was everyone got everyone in the company got to send in a photo of their mother and write them a message and it got sent out to our 50,000 people database so some of that feel good sort of stuff at SoCal and Neutral Bay they're doing a um, Zoom bottomless brunch Zoom so you can we're, we're giving you all the 
menus to do your tacos and to do your sangrias and you can put up the Zoom background of SoCal and you can do that in isolation. Chefs are doing videos. Our um, group bar manager, good old Lockie. Hey, Lockie's probably watching. He's, he's done a video. So everyone's sort of getting involved. We're not – for us, it's not about – look at us, look at poor us, buy gift cards. And, yes, we'd love you to buy gift cards, and, and we're definitely trying to push that as well. But we're also just trying to stay connected, and we're, we just want to make sure the community's there and trying to help them. And, you know, this Zoom party at SoCal, it doesn't cost people anything to go in that. And, you know, this Mother's Day love that we're doing, it's all about just staying connected and, and trying to get through this together and staying staying relevant. It's, we're not trying to push anything on anyone right now, but we really hope that everyone's there to support us at the end of this. You know, may I say that um, I, I got the newsletter from you and um, on Mother's Day, my lovely daughters made the recipe, the cake recipe with the poached prunes and the chocolate cake and uh, Nutella cake or whatever it was. It was absolutely delicious. And for you to give that, you know, very special, obviously secret recipe, which is no longer secret, <laughs> I was very impressed. Did it, look yeah. as, uh, did it look as good as the one in the picture that Jason made? Or <laughs> Oh, it looked almost the same. Almost the same. <laughs> but I, honestly, it was so delicious. I ate the whole thing, which was no good for my waistline. Oh. <laughs> now, you know, you know, uh, right now, recent reports that less than 50% of the population in Australia actually feel comfortable to go back to a bar or restaurant um, with the restrictions being lifted a little bit um, because they fear that there'll be a second wave of the virus. Um, Hamish, what do you believe needs to happen for customers to feel really ready uh, to return to your venues? Um, yeah, look, it's a good question, but it, um, it needs to be about confidence, right? Um, and... Look, we were already implementing a bunch of stuff like a lot of operators were prior to the closure. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that we had already rolled in, um, basic things and, and things you would expect from any venue now, which seems so strange, is like, um, you know, hand sanitising practices for both customers and staff um, and, you know, like sanitisation procedures between service periods, um, cleaning pod procedures from our actual cleaners and what chemicals they use. So it's, it's far and wide all the different approaches that we need to take to make um, – customers feel uh you know that we're doing the right thing and that they're safe in our venues and also that our staff feel safe so that's it's a two-pronged thing there what we've done is um we've implemented a or we're currently putting together like a covid training plan and what that encompasses is all those exact things it'll cover you know making sure our dishwashers are at the right temperature um it'll cover making sure the staff are you know washing their hands every hour and sanitizing in between every every table that they touch um, ensure we're looking at things like contactless ordering. We're in the final phases of understanding what's the best way to roll that out and how important that will be to our guests, um, how we address our menus, um, and, and, again, what I was saying about cleaning procedures at the table and things like that. So we're implementing a lot of those things. The next part is going to be having to communicate that with the customers, and we're not going to want to go and throw that in their faces, um, but I think it's important for them to understand how seriously we are going to be taking this thing. So on all of our you know websites, all our policies will be available for our guests um, we'll be we'll be informing them before they come with any reservation um, uh, confirmations and when they become when they come into the venue they'll also be part of the sequence of service to 
help them to understand exactly what the processes are to give them some confidence that we're, we're following things and taking things very seriously. Um, we're very lucky in the fact that we've got very clean and, you know, well-organised venues and I think our staff will really rise to the challenge. We'll be pushing uh, a very serious training agenda before they come back on deck. Um, we've got some, you know, HR onboarding software that will be um, pushing all of the documentation through. But by and large, it'll be no different for if we're launching a, a venue for the first time. The, the training procedures will be very thorough and we'll be managing them with an iron fist to ensure that, um, you know, that, that, that they get adhered to because it is that important for us that it gets managed. And for people to be confident, you need to go into a venue and see a little bit like, you know, um, if you go to a, a venue and you know that it's unclean and the staff are unhygienic, you can feel it anyway, but that's mm-hmm. going to be more important than ever. And our perception and, and the way that we handle our, ourselves and the way that we handle our personal hygiene will be more important than ever and we're taking it very, very seriously. Yeah, it sounds like you've really set the plan strategically really well. You know what? I've got all of these comments here coming through on LinkedIn. Let, let me just say hello to whoever's saying hello to us. So first of all, there's Jason. Jason, hello. Mark Murphy, hello. Oh, Alex, Baz, hello. It's good to see you here. Jason Robison, um, Mark Murphy's down in Melbourne. Bree Wales. Hi, Bree. How are you? Oh, she's a sunny Byron Bay. Um, Joanna Stewart, good morning. Mark McColl, hello, Jane and everyone. Um, Gulam, good morning. Uh, Jason, that's a great point, keeping your stuff. Yes, that's right. Um, now, let's see. Uh, Jason says, great to see these two operators are hands-on as well. Um, Mark Murphy says, in it together for sure. Uh, Doyle Bueller, hi, Doyle. Um, Great conversation, Ben Hamish. Um, It's 20 people on Monday in Western Australia. Doyle's in person, Ah. correcting me here. And, oh, in New Zealand, it's level two, which allows groups of up to 10, two hours max per cover. Two hours. You know, I read somewhere that it was going to some some venues are, are letting you in for one hour and then moving on people on and hoping to get a total of sixty in one night. But I don't know if that that would be. I wouldn't. Yeah, want that to would be pretty hard. hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So very nice. Thank you. Thank you for your comments, guys. So far. Now, um, let me see. If there were to be a second wave of the virus, this is what people are concerned about. Do you think that businesses will survive shutting down for a second time? And is there any way to safeguard against that? Uh, That's obviously what everyone's concerned about at the moment. And fortunately, the position we're in, we we had to close down once and it's, it's quite costly to close down. You're losing all your perishable stock. You have to either throw that out or give that away or try to freeze it if it will keep. Um, so it's very costly closing down, and, and now we're sort of trying to work out whilst we're in hibernation if there's going to be a second wave. I think we're still going to be in hibernation if there was. It's going to, we're going to find out in the next few weeks, and we still plan to be in hibernation in that time. A lot of businesses I don't think would, you know, they're already just just clinging on there. Uh, I don't think they would make it through. Uh, if, if we happened to reopen all the venues and a second wave came in October, Oh, it would be tough. I'm sure we would survive. There's always a way when there's a will, but it would be super difficult for us. And financially, we've already taken a a huge hit over the last couple of months, Um, and that would see us get in a lot more debt if if that was to occur, but I've confidence we'd get through it. Mm -hmm. I I guess the other part of it is that there's no secret that this is going to be around for a while. So, you know, as operators, you know, we need to adapt and learn how to live with it and trade with it, you know. 
I think the government will be, you know, very apprehensive to shut things down a second time unless it's, it's very, very serious. So working with outbreaks is going to become something that we have to just deal with and manage. And part of everything, you know, part of our policy is, is outbreak outbreak management and, and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I, it would be hard to reopen again for any business if you reopen and then shut and then have to reopen again. But, um, you know, I think learning to trade through it, learning how to deal with, with it and live with it is going to be the the devil in the detail. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, everybody in the hospitality industry must be, you know, thinking this and being concerned. But I think if you can mitigate risk, you know, the best way that you can, that's yeah. that's all that you can do. And I think you're, you're staying in hibernation for a little bit longer to wait and see is, is probably a really good policy. You know, it's been extremely challenging, obviously, for the hospitality industry, and hundreds of thousands of professionals in the industry have been stood down because of this, um, and it's turned the world on its head. What's been your employment and leadership strategy during this time? Um, and I ask this of Hamish. Um, look, I think we mentioned it earlier. The, the main, the main thing was communication. You know, from the very outset of this, uh, this thing, like long before we had to shut down. Um, we made it our position that we would communicate often and we would communicate with clarity and we would be um, fully transparent on, on, on what our plans were and we were also fully transparent on, like, you know, how the business was financially at the time, you know, and what we needed to do as a company to get through it together um, and what sacrifices would be need to be made by the entire team to do so. And that wasn't just something that we just pushed out to our general managers and head chefs and things like that. Um, we included everybody in on the journey um, and... So to do so, we went about setting up because um, we had a lot of communication methods through rostering systems and things that we put in on hold to try to save costs. So we put together some WhatsApp groups with the entire team. Uh, we created a, a Facebook page called Applejack United, um, and that was bringing together because uh, traditionally all of our you know groups were sort of working in venue silos in, in, in some regards. So we brought everybody in together, and we went about just communicating as much as we could through. Um, and part of it was like policy so you know if there were things that we needed to communicate in relation to you know how we're going to close down and what was going to be happening with them from an HR perspective and you know things about job keeper and just stuff like that a lot of it was to do with that but we also just communicated with them about you know how what the health of the company was like and and, and how we were going to sort of trade through this or not trade through this to to navigate through this um and, you know, a large part of our, our strategy was that whilst we can't support the entire team, we couldn't support the entire team in a monetary um, perspective for a long period of time at least, um, you know, a lot of casual staff and there's a lot of, you know, we've got a lot of uh, sponsored workers that, that didn't get as much support from the government as we were hoping. Um, so we wanted we went about trying to offer them as much advice and as assistance as we could to get them through this. So, um, you know, our HR manager was, you know, going through and pulling everything apart in relation to how you communicate a rental reduction with a difficult landlord or, um, you know, we were sending them updates in relation to how they would go about accessing their superannuation if that was something that was available to them. Because we, what we knew, there was a ton of information out there. Um, a lot of our staff, some of them not such great English speakers, um, we needed to really distill that down, take out the nuggets that actually applied to them, and we distributed that information out as often as we possibly could. And that seemed to have a really positive effect on the team. And then another part of it is just about, you know, remaining optimistic. You know, we, um, uh, you, could, you could sort of preach all doom and gloom, and it is a, a very challenging time. And whilst we've been as open and honest as we can in relation to the difficulties and the challenges, 
challenges we face, like all leaders have been. Um, we've also just remained optimistic and, and shown them what tools we have to help us trade and get through the other side. Um, but also, you know, how we're going to how we're going to manage the processes and, and and open up with a positive impact. So, through all of those sort of um, um, methods we've adopted, we've found that we've had a, a we've had really good staff retention through this. Um, not so long ago, well, about three or four weeks ago, um, we were communicating with all of the different staff individually. We went about putting together a spreadsheet with uh, the entire list of the entire team that we had, um, for, like for all casuals, whether you worked one day a week, three hours a week or full time with us. Um, and we went through and we um, reached out and made a point of understanding where exactly they were in the world, if they'd, a, few, a few of them had moved around into different places and whether they were keen on coming back to work for us. And we were blown away by the fact that we still had probably at least 98% of the workforce were there and waiting, um, just waiting for us to reopen and to get underway again. So that was a very humbling moment for us. And I, I do think that we've done well through that by um, communicating with them clearly from the start and then offering the support that we could through JobKeeper and um, telling them how to access JobSeeker and superannuation and, and, and deal with the situation so they're there for us on the other side. Mm, yeah, I mean, wonderful initiatives that you've implemented. You know, with with um, working, you know, self-isolation, I mean, many of your staff are still working and they're working from home. Um, mm. I've been reading so much about, you know, mental health as well because people need to practice self-care and take care of themselves. Um, yeah. what, what has Applejack been doing to keep your staff engaged and supported, you know, especially when it comes to mental health during these times? Um, ben? Um yeah, look, there's there's a whole lot of different angles, and some people, I guess, it's understanding people's needs through this time, and um, I guess touching on Hamish's chat then about leadership. It, it all comes down to the leadership right now is all about empathy, and if you look around the world, around what different leaders are doing, and you know, look over the ditch there to Jacinta, her, her approach has been very empathetic, and um, I think that is very much needed in a time like this. And with mental issues and mental health that are, that are occurring, and I've spoken to a few friends reaching out to them and, and they are struggling with being isolated. So if we take that time to understand people's needs, to, to understand their problems and to work with them. And some people just want to be included and, you know, touch base with them. And, and other people, they want to go for a walk. So next week in our... Our, we do a huddle of our head office every week and next week we're all going to go for a walk together and then sit down and have an outside meeting in the park rather than doing a Zoom meeting. So there's there's different ways in which you can include people, check in on people. There's a communication outline, um, outlined by Hamish there. There's an array of things we can be doing. We also offer a free counselling service for the in the company as well that people can reach out to that. Um, I've had staff, I've had kitchen hands message me and ask if they can talk to me they give me a call for a chat and so everyone's available to talk and it really comes down to that culture we've got within the company to make sure that we're we're in it together and we're all showing that we really care and you can't you can't fake empathy through this and it's a, a real value that goes a long way yeah. Oh, I can really feel how passionate you both feel about, you know, the business and we are. people. We, we are. I mean, it's, it's so important, isn't it? And I think that's why Applejack's such a, a great place to work and, and people really enjoy coming into work there. You know, what I heard is that you've got your own private Facebook group for your team as well. And you've got 
Trivia Tuesdays and Friday Happy Hour and Games Nights and Monday Motivation. I think that's lovely. If you want to help me on do a meditation anytime, I'm very good at meditation because my voice is so soporific, gentlemen, that I can put anyone to sleep. The background. Wait a minute. Hang on. I'm making myself. Here's June Shop. Look how happy, happy and young. You know, um, June, June's my grandma. That's named after ah. my grandma, June. So oh. uh, Bop and Tones is the restaurant upstairs. Mm-hmm. Bop's uh, Hamish's grandfather. Tones is my grandfather, and that's uh, June. She passed a few years ago now. Oh, that's so beautiful. And yeah. keeping up with the with the family theme as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love. I have to. I, I really love Bop and Tone. I love the botanist as well. I love all of them. Anyway, so, <laughs> so let let me find out um, from you. How can the general public help Applejack and also the wider hospitality industry to survive this this global pandemic? Um, download the COVID app. <laughs> In all seriousness, let's leave let's leave politics out of this. People have got Facebook on their phone and those other apps on their phone. You know, there's a lot more information out there already. They don't need to be worried. So download the app. It's the way we're going to get back to normality a little bit sooner. But something directly for Applejack, obviously, we've got gift cards. Just be interactive on social media. If you can buy gift cards, stay up to date on when we're opening. And, And just we love all the messages of support coming through whether it's through the website our info accounts through the email or through social media it's very supportive uh they do get read to me as well but they also get seen by other people before it comes over over my desk so uh, we we love we love the support we're getting and we, we hope that people continue that and you know we'll keep you updated when we're opening yeah, I mean, the other part of it is, like, just um, supporting your local restaurants, like, just in general. You know, um, if you've got a neighbourhood gem that you've always loved for years and, you know, they're reopening, you've got to know that they're going to be struggling to get through this and, you know, hit them up, go buy a coffee, say good day, let them show them your support. That's very, very important. And um, try to keep it as local and look after the ones that you love. Uh, I think that's something that's really important. Yeah. You know, gentlemen, I've just been having a look because we're broadcasting live on Facebook as well. I've mentioned some of the comments uh, on LinkedIn. Um, But over on Facebook, I'd like to say hello, hello to Ruth Ruth. Charles, hello, Charles, Olivia Trethaway, love you, Matty, hello, the botanist, yes, George Popple, Cassie E. Jenkins are all saying hello, which is lovely, Henry Contreras, Apologies if I haven't pronounced that correctly. And um, Olivia says, Hamish Watts, Benjamin Carroll, wise words, guys, miss your faces. (laughs) Casey Saw has tagged Daryl Slanders. Um, Alessio Frattini, well well done, guys, on being honest and upfront. Can vouch for that, Chef Ella. Oh, that's so nice. Thanks, Ella. (laughs) And um, Ruth, Ruth, ah, here's an interesting question. She says, are there any positives or lessons that you'll take from this situation that you'll bring into your awesome venues once we're back up and running in the new normal? There's a million, a million lessons we've learned out of this. And uh, one thing I keep on saying to to the team and to myself, if, if you're not learning and developing personally or professionally through this, through a crisis, you've wasted a crisis. We're all learning so much about ourselves and there's so many awesome things to come out of this on the other side. 
it sucks right now. It really sucks. But I'm super excited about what is going to happen on the other side. And I think that sense of community and a new appreciation for hospitality are just two things right there. And so that's that's my outtake on it. I think Hamish feels similar. Oh, yeah, and there's, yeah, and there's also, like, plenty of stuff operationally that we've learned throughout it, you know. Um, a, a big one I keep going on about is the communication. Like, we've learned so many new ways to communicate and connect with our team and our customer base while, while things, are, things are, you know, not always up and trading. So there's been plenty of stuff that we learned through the closure that we'll be implementing and stuff that we'll be adopting to make sure that we, we function better and, and more effectively on the other side. I can't wait to see what happens with Applejack because you've both been so creative right from your very first venue and how you've just rapidly grown over the years, you know, to, to, to have so many venues now. And, and with each one being a completely different theme, you know, Bop and Tone, Endeavor Tap Room, SoCal, um, The Botanist and, and, you know, all of the it's, – it's been quite amazing. Can yeah. I just – just before we wind up, what would you like to share with us that um, – you've learned and the encouragement that you can give to this industry as a whole personally or, or professionally both 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 from both of you <laughs> yeah look I've, i guess i've learned um i've learned what, you know, what's important from a business perspective and it's something that you always say and i i, I hesitate to say it because it can sound corny but it is about the team um and, you know, the more focus you put on your people and the more time you spend investing in, in the team culture and, and the development of your people, you know, the more respect you get back and the easier it is to handle something like this. And, look, we, we, we spent the last, you know, it had always been a focus of ours and when we were smaller, looking after our people was something that, that came very naturally because, you know, as Ben said earlier, we were extremely hands-on. We were both running venues. We were, we were in the venues like, you know, five days a week actually like in service. Um, but as things grew, there was a period of time we had to learn how to maintain that connection um, even whilst we couldn't be in the venues nearly as often as we'd like to be. Um, so so the last, we were very fortunate the last 24 months, um, you know, in the investment of an HR manager and, and really putting some strategies around how we better connect and, and maintain that, that culture and connection with our staff, we've managed to really sort of learn throughout this process how important that actually was. So. Yeah, like that's that's probably the main learning for me is it's it's all about your people and it's all about your your customers. It's it's as simple as that. And Ben, what about you? Uh, I would say don't sweat the small things. Uh, we can see what a big thing is right now, and you can see what that requires to get through it. And the other one was relationships. How important they are from a business world to your personal relationships of wives and families. And I think there's a newfound appreciation for that, which. Is, is brilliant and hopefully everyone understands that and doesn't forget about this in the future. Mm, I like that one. I'm just doing a little banner for that one. Appreciate your relationships with <laughs> <and> the family. <laughs> they are so important. Oh, and Ben, yes, my little assistant here has just reminded me, and Ben, you're having a baby soon. That's right. So, That's right. Yeah, just in a few weeks, isn't it? Uh, 38 weeks today, Jules, mm -hmm. uh, in another two weeks. Of, the bags are packed. They're at the front door and, you know, to drop a, drop a, a uh, button or drop something else, we could be, uh, we could be in that car <laughs> on the way to the hospital. So. What an exciting it's, time. Uh, this, is, this is your first baby? 
Yeah, this is our first. So this last few weeks at home has actually been, uh, there's a silver lining. It's been pretty incredible just having this time with Jules and myself and, and our dog and really enjoying that and preparing for the baby and having some super quality time together. And even, you know, once baby's born, it, whilst we're working incredibly hard at the moment, we're not having to go into the office every day or go into the venues. So I'll be able to be a lot more involved in the, the baby's first, you know, month of life or something like that. So oh, exciting times. Time. Beautiful time in your life. That's wonderful. Congratulations. And, and Hamish, you have children. How old are your kids? I've got a beautiful daughter, Frankie, who's five. Mm -hmm. She's just gone back to school one day a week for now, um, hoping that might ramp up a little bit soon to free my time up a little bit. Um, but she's, um, it's been, with her, it's been an amazing experience, to be honest. We've, we've um, developed a very close relationship over the last few months working together. And, it's, and the most amazing thing is just to see how fast they learn. You know, they, they, are, they are actually sponges and she's, um, she's been amazing and very supportive and um, just a beautiful little soul throughout this whole thing. And then I've got an 18 month old little terror. Um, and he's, uh, his name's Indy. And, um, but he's, um, it's also been amazing to him for having him around the house. And I think the one thing about having a, a child of that age is they're, they're, I mean, Frankie to a lesser extent, she sort of knows there's something going on. Um, but he has no idea. And he's just, he's just like, you know, he's peaking and, and loving life at the moment. And you wake up to, to smiles and, and you just realize like, you know, that's, that's, that's where it's at, isn't it? There's nothing really more to life than that. And that's, and that's what keeps me going every day. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because I'm just looking at some of the Facebook comments now. Now, Alistair Flower, I don't know who Alistair Flower is, but he's saying hotties. <laughs> Settle down, Alistair. Erin's <laughs> uh, saying great interview, Jane and guys. Lindy Riggs says great interview, Ben and Hamish. Simon That's Johnson said so Lindy. exciting, Ben. So I mean, how yeah. I know so every, everyone's everyone's behind you. You have created a really wonderful family culture, and um, we've had a wonderful chat today. And I just want, want want to say thank you so much for your time today and for sharing because I've been so curious as to what's what's going to happen with the hospitality industry, and it's great to see how the two of you are leading so effectively through crisis and looking after your team as well. If anyone wants to watch any of my other LinkedIn live broadcasts that I've been doing every week since COVID started, um, I have a hashtag called Time for Global Connection on LinkedIn. I'm only using it on LinkedIn, uh, but you can start a trend if you want on Facebook, but Time for Global Connection, and you'll see a lot of my other interviews of people and how they're coping and managing through crisis as well. But for now, what I'd like you all to do is to follow Applejack Hospitality because they've got so many amazing venues and let's keep the hospitality industry alive and well. Okay, so thank you. Thank you so much, gentlemen. And, Thanks for um, listening, everyone. <laughs> Toodle Pip, I will be sharing the broadcast again. So if anyone's watching the replay and wants to comment, just put hashtag replay and we will respond to your questions. So bye for now. Thanks, guys. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes and we will see you next time. If you enjoyed this episode of Your Career Podcast, I invite you to check out my career success program at 
thecareersacademy.online. The Career Success Program is the original program that uniquely provides 24-7 on-demand career support and fortnightly live career coaching sessions to keep you on track to reach your career goals. It is the essential resource for anyone who wants to manage their career effectively, make a career change and land the job they'll love. Whether you're in exploration mode or seeking a new career direction and need help to make it a reality, the Career Success Program is for you. Not only do you get access to my step-by-step roadmap to navigate your career crossroads, my extensive training library and exclusive members-only discounts and tools, you'll also become part of my supportive community of professionals who will help you with feedback, encouragement and advice. All this and more makes the Career Success Program the number one place to be for anyone looking to start, manage and grow their career. Check it out and join me at thecareersacademy.online.